Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, listeners. This is Anusha Battersby of the Magnus Protocol, letting you know about the latest Rusty Quill original podcast on Neon Inkwell, The Pit Below Paradise. The Pit Below Paradise is a US coming-of-age tale set years in the future, in the ruins of a burnt world. Small communities struggle in the ashes, and in Paradise Village, Dorian is set to sacrifice himself for the hope of a better tomorrow. At least, that's what he thought. But when the date of prophecy is pulled into question, Dorian's whole world is turned on its side. Forced to attend college to keep up appearances, Dorian meets Will, a former gravedigger with no reason to suspect his vibrant new roommate might soon be facing death, and Ruth, a returned runaway trying to make peace with the past. As Dory only just starts to learn about herself, she is forced to choose whether she still believes everything she was told growing up, or whether she wants to place her trust in a wider, more daunting world that she's only just come to know. The Pit Below Paradise is available now on Neon Inkwell, our ongoing home for full cast fiction podcasts, written by creators from all around the world. Just search Neon Inkwell wherever you get your podcasts. Hi everyone, Alex here with a quick introduction to today's episode. 
Some of you might remember we ran a writing competition inviting listeners to provide their own stories for the Magnus treatment. Well, we've done it again. Today's episode is the first of our two new writing competition winners. The second story will be available next week. As before, please be aware that this story is a standalone work and should not be considered part of the Magnus Archives canon. That's all for now. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hi everyone, Alex here. I'd just like to take a moment to thank some of our patrons. Evelyn Walker, Anne, Catherine Pigliacelli, Aaron Peril, Debbie Frangdakis, Ordained Crowney, Becky Vola, Mercipan, Rosa, Knifecat, Friska Said Gay Rights, East Five, Psyker, Sidney Engelstein, Melanie Johnston, Amanda Overmeyer, Darcy Morgan, Marapia F. Jarkov, Coviscus Inc., Icon 315. Thank you all. We really appreciate your support. If you'd like to join them, go to www.patreon.com forward slash rustyquill and take a look at our rewards. Rusty Quill presents Nox Mare by Elizabeth Wynne. There's something in the water. Every morning I sit on my porch steps and watch the wakes it leaves, so like the wind across the surface. That's what my mother told me when I used to come crying to her about the nightmares. It's the wind, too feeble to stir more than gentle waves. The wind. I can tell the difference between disturbances that come from above and ones from below. I always thought I loved the ocean. I grew up about as far inland as you can get, among mountains that scraped the steely clouds. The closest thing we had was the lake, and that didn't count. You could see the shore all the way round. On summer holidays, we'd drive hours to my grandparents' house on the coast, and my cousins, my brother and I, would spend the days burying each other in the sand, racing down the beach, trying to keep beach balls in the air. In the evenings I'd return with my mother, and we'd sit for long hours, watching the sunset turn the sky cottony pink and yellow, then red, then deep purple. I loved to watch the waves pull in and out. I loved to follow the shadows in the breakers, the dark shapes moving within them. I loved letting the foam lap at my toes. It never occurred to me that no one else saw the dancing shadows. It never occurred to me that loving the ocean might mean going in. Because there's something in the water. My little brother Jamie loved the ocean too. He was always running into the surf the second we arrived, kicking sandals aside and plunging through the cold water until he was in up to his neck. He told me he loved feeling the waves break over him, pulling him back and forth, back and forth. He loved the sand shifting around his feet, making him stumble. He loved the little fish that brushed past, nibbled at his leg hair, and scurried away when he dunked his head to look at them. Sometimes it scared me, watching him stare down a wave that I could see was full of writhing, sharp shapes. I always held my breath for the seconds it crashed around him and he vanished from view, ready to cry for help when he didn't come back up. 
He always did, of course. But I wonder if he knew that beach was too cold to have fish. When I was 14, we moved from the house in the mountains to the nearest city, and my grandmother passed away, leaving the beach house empty. Four years later, I moved out for school, but I stayed close to our now-aging parents. Jamie ended up living on the coast, of course. When he visited home, he always smelled like those summer holidays. Sunscreen and seaweed and saline. I dreamed about him often during those years. I dreamed that he came out of the water, first as a child and later as an adult, and salt encrusted every inch of his skin. It turned his eyelashes white, shaped his hair into a mimicry of waves. Every time the dream repeated, the minerals encasing him would be a little thicker, his face a little more warped underneath it all, but he still moved towards me with the ease of a trickling stream. And every time he reached me, his eyes would snap open, shattering the salt shell. They would be bright orange, glinting like amber, or a fish's eyes. And I'd wake up, gasping and choking, the taste of seaweed laced with something filthy, filling my mouth and nose. The first time he drowned, Jamie was nineteen. I left class to find eight calls from my frantic mother, my father already en route to the coast. He picked me up, and we drove straight through to get to the hospital at one in the morning. Jamie's heart had stopped for two minutes before they could resuscitate him. He'd been out sailing with friends when their boat capsized. In the initial panic, none of them noticed he hadn't resurfaced. They tracked the disturbances to where he was sinking quickly, flailing all the while. One of his friends muttered that it looked like something was pulling him, something dark and thin and twisting. But I'm not sure if anyone else heard him. He had gone very pale. My parents wanted Jamie to move back in with them, but he told them in no uncertain terms that he would do no such thing. He said he wanted to keep the life he'd built, the friends and job he'd found. But I knew he didn't care that much. The truth was they still lived in the city, and he wanted to be near the ocean. He thought he needed it. Eventually, he agreed to give up sailing and a few of his other more dangerous activities, and they let him stay. The second drowning was two years later. He'd gotten very drunk and fallen off the pier near his house, and this time no one was around to pull him out. He washed up on a beach four miles away at five in the morning, an unspecified amount of time after he'd gone in. So... No one knew how long he went without breathing, either. The doctor assumed he must not have been in the water for long, but late that night Jamie gestured me closer. I remember it, he rasped. All of it. And I didn't fall in. It pulled me. It was barely midnight. I wasn't even that drunk. Jamie rambled on, but his eyes stayed locked with mine. They were wide and fearful, 
and his lashes were crusted white. For an instant, his irises flashed amber. My chair screeched across the linoleum. It startled him out of his trance, but I was already gone. The third drowning happened when he was twenty-five. Nothing stranger than a riptide, and our parents weren't around anymore to chastise him for not recognising a riptide after all his years practically living on the beach. For my part, I was well aware it had not been a riptide. I hadn't spoken to Jamie beyond funeral planning since the last incident, but I got my boyfriend to drive me to the coast anyway. I wasn't too rushed, given Jamie's apparent tenacity, but we still got there faster than was feasible if you were diligent about speed limits. Jamie's skin picked up blue undertones in the hospital lighting. The remaining grit of sand and drying salt water looked almost scaly. But I knew I wasn't looking for scales. The flickering of his luminescent eyes under their lids was much more concerning. I set my jaw to press down the roiling unease and stayed by the bed. Later, he told me he coughed up seaweed mixed with foul shade for hours after we got him home. There's something in the water, he whispered, voice still rough with salt. I know, I said, rubbing his back as he coughed again. I know. It took my hand, he said, and the sound went muffled and wet. It was gentle this time. It led me deeper and deeper and I could almost see. Almost. He trailed off. I couldn't speak through the feeling of rotting seaweed in my throat. That night I dreamed the same scene from the past seven years. Only this time it didn't end when his eyes opened. Neither of us looked away as his hand wrapped around my wrist, surprisingly warm and soft without the salt. He led me into the water, and only as it started to lap around my knees did I feel fear creeping up my legs and curling into my stomach. There were no waves, I realized. Or rather, there was just one. On the horizon... A wall of water building, drawing itself higher and higher until it blocked out much of the sky. I can't describe how the panic tasted as it rose in my throat. I tried to run, but the sand shifted under my feet and Jamie's grip had gone hard and icy. Something else, slick and dark, slid around my calves. All I could do was the water pulled us, stumbling, closer to the curling mass of ocean and shadow, was try to slow my breathing, so when the wave hit, my first inhalation wouldn't be too soon after. I don't remember how it ended. I woke up completely still, curled on my side, soaked with sweat. My mouth tasted like nothing but sea air. 
and somewhere, that wave was still building. I thought the lake was safe, otherwise I never would have gone back, and I certainly wouldn't have encouraged Jamie to come with my boyfriend and I. In any case, a few days after my dream, we made plans to move back into the mountain house our parents had never sold. I thought Jamie would put up more of a fight about finally leaving the beach, but his eyes were bruised and bloodshot and he kept complaining of a rushing noise, like a shell held to his ear. He wasn't in much shape to argue, and maybe I was feeling hopeful that this last incident had scared him off the ocean forever. It certainly had me. Once we arrived, my dreams actually did vanish. Jamie seemed better too, his skin regaining its colour and his hair relaxing without the constant salt. But more than once, my boyfriend came into the kitchen to find both of us gazing out the window at the glittering lake, all else forgotten in the rapture of its waves. Jamie was always perfectly still, while my whole body shuddered like I was trying to run and my feet were buried in the sand. Otherwise, though, we were doing quite well. There was no drowning, there were no dreams. There was nothing in the water, only the wind across its surface. One night, my boyfriend sat bolt upright in bed, staring out the window. My eyes were gritty with sleep, but I sat up too, squinting out at the lake. Jamie stood on the shore, looking out over the choppy water. At first I thought it was just a trick of my vision, but after I rubbed my eyes it was still there. He was glittering, ever so slightly. The edges of his silhouette were warped by the salt crusting his skin. As we watched, he stirred and took one step, then another then another into the lake, fluid as a winding stream. My boyfriend yelled and stumbled out of bed. I didn't follow. He stared at me, wild-eyed and confused. It won't make a difference, tonight or tomorrow, I heard myself say. He won't die. Might as well get some sleep. I could see he wasn't convinced, and I know he didn't sleep because I didn't either. But he got back into bed, and uneasily pulled the covers up. I took comfort in the warmth of his body, the dry sheets and solid mattress. My back was to the window and the lake beyond, but I stared at the wall and saw rippling water until sunlight refracted across it. We ate in tense silence. My grandmother's rowboat was still in the shed, though I'd never seen anyone but my mother use it. We dragged it down the sandy two-track road to the shore and pushed off as soon as we were sure the oars were functional. I leaned forward to scan the water and shoreline for signs of Jamie. The terror was a surprise. A shock even. I looked over the side, 
and immediately realized the lake ran far deeper than I had ever imagined. The sun lanced into it, threading the green surface with impossibly thin golden lines. A meter down, even the brightest rays could go no further. Below, there was nothing but shadow. Of course, shadow can hide so many things. So many things can hide in shadow. There's something in the water. At first it was nothing but a difference between blacks, like the new moon against a cloudless sky. Maybe a fish, or water plants. But I'd seen that kind of writhing before. Carefully, so carefully, I sank down to sit on the floor of the boat. I asked my boyfriend what he thought we should do, seeing as I had no intention of jumping in, but he wasn't there. I wasn't surprised, but I felt the sudden loss as a dull thud in my chest, a bassy counterpoint to my shrill fear. Far away, I could see him on the shore, yelling for me. It sounded muffled and wet. The surface of the water was smooth, as it was a windless morning. Nonetheless, the boat rocked as it drifted, first gently and then much more violently. I pictured myself, a tiny triangle of metal cradling me in the centre of an unfathomably deep green lake, and underneath something incomprehensibly huge, twisting closer, closer. I thought, distantly, about grabbing the oars and desperately rowing back to shore. But it was too late. A particularly hard disturbance and the boat tipped. I gasped in a last deep inhale, though it was immediately shocked out of me in a spiral of white as I plunged into the freezing water. Useless. I didn't flail. What would be the point? I could still see the surface, rippling like sheets in the wind, but with every thump of my pulse in my ears it drifted farther away. I couldn't be sure I was looking up at all. I was suspended in dark so complete it pooled. Something inky and beautiful grasped my ankles, dragging me faster into the depths. Despite myself, a wail wrenched from my chest, more white bubbles that only disoriented me more. Was this what Jamie felt the first time, as his friends took to the mundane task of writing their boat and counting heads? Weight sliding around his knees, tugging at his wrists, the riptide that was never a riptide tearing at him as it pulled him inexorably away. Did he feel this weak, as the last air was crushed out of him? This small? A hand slipped into mine. It was warm against the growing numbness, but the pressure had increased, so even as I turned my head towards its owner, my eyes were forced shut. Behind my eyelids, 
I still saw the orange glow, the flickering of iridescence and nictitating membranes. The last of my air sighed past my lips in relief. Like he'd been saved all those times before, Jamie was going to save me. Fingers tightened around mine, and they'd gone sharp and slippery, wet and crystalline. There was nothing I could do, as what was once my brother set my feet in the silt, but ignore the dancing darkness, the ruthless crushing salt, and take my first breath. There's something in the water, and it won't let me go. This episode is distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. For more information, visit RustyQuill.com. Tweet us at the Rusty Quill, visit us on Facebook, or email us at mail at RustyQuill.com. Thanks for listening. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? 
We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Hi, everyone. It's Helen here, the voice of Azu, Enola, and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woe Begone, a podcast launched on the RQ Network. Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone, spelled woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun, and see you later.